Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. I want to talk to you about prayer is a movement. Prayer is a movement. How many know the church was not meant to stay still? The church was designed to move. And the church moves on the power of prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for this time together. We ask you to bless the word, the hearing of the word, and the preaching of the word may be sown deep into our hearts as we seek you. May you do your work in us. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said amen. Second Chronicles, if you'd go there with me. If you'd put it up on the screen. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along. I believe I will just read from the screen. It'll be quicker for me. Let's read together. Ready, begin. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then, everybody stop. Everything before the semicolon are requirements for what comes next. God doesn't have requirements. Everything's free and a free gift from God. This tells me that unless we do some things to participate with God, It will not release his power to us. So then it says, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I want to preach just a little while off that verse and we'll go have something wonderful to eat for lunch. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. I want to preach a prayer. Prayer is a movement. And see, I can't even keep from telling my title after the scripture because I'm so used to doing it. Prayer is a movement. Everybody thank Dean for his wonderful playing, tickling those ivories. We have a wonderful band here. I don't know if you noticed, but they are talented. Uh, You don't get that kind of deep talent um, in churches this small, but um, we're thankful to God for all the talent that we have. And I think that you should know that they don't just get up here and play. They have to practice. Did you know that? So they prepare before. And they, the, 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 the motto of our church is not perfection, just so you know. So if you hear a wrong note every once in a while, just love them because they practice, they're here doing it, they're serving, they're faithful, amen? That's good. So the motto of our church is participation, not perfection. And we want you to participate in whatever way you can. And they have talent to you, so they give their talent back to God. How many know when God gives talent, he expects you to multiply it and use it in the kingdom, amen? And that's what they're trying to do. God bless them as they improve. We're moving to some new stuff, and it's going to be awesome. Everyone say awesome. It's going to be amazing. So, commercial over. There are 10 different protest movements that affected the United States. You may know of them. As I say them, you'll understand that these movements were given legs to different things and were catalysts 
sometimes for long-term political and social change, and sometimes they just petered out because there wasn't someone passionate enough to continue to lead it. Number one was the anti-tax movement. Anybody ever heard of that one? In, 19, in 1765 to the present day, the mission was to establish tax, fair taxation. Then another movement that came up in America was the American Revolution, 1775 to 1783. The mission here was life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It wasn't that you're guaranteed happiness, it's that you're guaranteed the pursuit of happiness. Amen? So that was a movement, the American Revolution. Revolution. And then number three is the abolition movement. And that movement happened in 1830 and continued until 1865 with the passage of the 13th Amendment. The mission there is to outlaw slavery. Everybody say amen to that. That is a good thing. And God bless those that fought for it. Amen. Number four was the, the state's right movement. Maybe you've heard of this movement. In 2008 to the present, the mission was to challenge the authority of the central government. That is a good thing. Amen. The women's rights movement, 1848 to the present day, and it's taken many different kinds of shapes, some good, some bad. The mission here was the equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on the account of gender. And then there's the temperance movement. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but that was its official name in 1851 to 1933. The mission was to prohibit the consumption of alcohol, the prohibition. And so then we see that happening and it's continuing in some places, but not necessarily in many places do we have those same kind of laws. I know in some states that I travel to that the state controls the sale of alcohol still. It's interesting to find that in some states. And number eight is the, the civil rights movement. How many ever heard of that movement? A little movement, I guess. 1955 to 1968, the mission was equal rights for African Americans at the end of the segregation. Thank God our nation evolved and we have rights for all people. Amen. We're still fighting some of that, but thank God we're fighting it. Amen. The anti-war movement, 1965 to 1973, the mission was to end the Vietnam War and to raise the social consciousness of America. And 10, the environment, the environmental movement. How many have heard of this movement? It's in every one of your movies coming out of Hollywood. Amen. There's an agenda somewhere every time we see it. When 1950s came around, it began, and now it's come to the present. The mission is to preserve the, our natural resources and the sanctity of our planet, and that is a good mission, amen? We should be conservation. We should be recycling. You should do that. That's a good thing, but not where it takes the precedent over other more important things. We should be willing to do what it takes to be a part of movements, but not when movements are not uh, not gendered by God is what I want to say. That's not in my notes. That's why I'm struggling. But regardless of whether it's in my notes or not, I want to say there's many movements that have taken place. They've come and they've gone, but there's one movement that has never changed, and that is the movement of the church of the living God. Amen. Could you give me a little bit more monitor? I appreciate it. The movement of the church of the living God, regardless of your personal beliefs in any of the movements that I've previously said. Thank you, sound man. I appreciate that. Jesus 
started the under, understanding that the church must be in motion. And there's an undeniable effect of the church of the living God on the world at large. Amen. One professor in the theological department of, of Yale and Harvard, they came together and studied the effect of the church, the Christian church, on the modern day first century. And they said that the church itself was single-handedly responsible for the fall of the Roman government. That literally the church has such an impact. It has such a move that it affected even the government of their day. Amen, somebody. I'm walking and getting signatures for a friend of mine right now who's running for Congress. I believe that we should be involved where we can be, amen? I believe that we should take up causes that are, that are noble and of Christ, amen? But there should be no greater cause than the cause of the church, amen? Hallelujah, the church of the living God. In AD 33, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the church was birthed in a little upper room. How many know we shouldn't despise the day of little things? Scripture says we are not the offshoot of the Catholic Church. Amen? We are not the offshoot of the Lutheran Church. We believe that the Catholic Church began and their doctrine settled in A.D. 325. That's a long ways away from A.D. 33. Amen? So we are not the beginning or the offshoot or the prodigy of the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, any kind of sect of that church, any kind of break off. We are not Protestant. We were never in protest. We are part of the church of the living God from the book of Acts, started and birthed in Jerusalem. And their experience that they had, we still have today. Somebody said amen. Are you glad you can trace your roots to the, to the book of Acts? Are you glad you don't have to listen to a preacher or a priest or a pastor or a man to get your religion, but you can go straight to relationship with God. Amen, someone. I'm feeling my Pentecostal roots this morning. I might yell all the way through this sermon. I'm not mad. I'm just excited. We were never in protest. Unlike previous movements I listed, we were birthed and are the same church. We still have the same experience. We still have the same doctrine. We still have the same power. We still have the same salvation. One Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We still repent. We still are baptized in the name of Jesus to apply his blood to our life. And we still preach that you can have the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Today, we still believe that that same Holy Ghost experience is available for anybody, whosoever will. As many as the Lord our God shall call, Acts 2 says, and God's still calling people. So the baptism of the Holy Ghost is still real. It happened in chapter 2. It happened in chapter 5. It happened in 10 of Acts. And that's why it's called the Acts of the Apostles. The actions of the Apostles. Amen. And we should still be in action. We should still be in motion. The church is still a church of action. We preach that it is for whosoever will. I've already said that. I'm trying to catch up to my notes because I got excited. And the gift of the Holy Ghost when it comes is like a fire. We say a fire. fire. I'm so grateful that, that in the scripture that John the Baptist was seeing Jesus for the first time and he said, behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. Are you glad he took away the sins of the world? 
And he said, there's, no, there's one coming after me who uh, I'm not even worthy to unloose his, his shoelaces. And he, I baptize you under repentance, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so I'm grateful for the Holy Ghost being in the church today. But I believe we need more fire, amen? I believe we need more excitement. In the church, I understand as a pastor, I've been pastoring for more than, than 15 years now. I've, I've got certificates that I should put up on my wall, but I just don't care. I mean, yeah, great. Thank you. appreciate that. Thanks for congratulating me for pastoring for 15 years. No, no, that's enough. You can stop clapping now. Really, really. I know. It's great. Thank you. No, thank you. Just kidding. I just don't even care about the shingles anymore or the credentials and those kind of things. I'm thankful for them. You need them in the world that we live in today sometimes because people want to know where you came from and how you got there. But I want you to know that there's more than just the Holy Ghost in our world at work, but there's also a fire that's supposed to be in the church. Somebody said amen. There's supposed to be an excitement, and I understand pastoring that we can get so caught up in the inner workings of the church and where we're supposed to be at what time and how we're supposed to do things in the form and the structure, and we need excellence. Amen. I believe in that. We need form and factor. We need the, the possibility of understanding where we're supposed to be when, but is it possible that the Holy Ghost living inside of us is still asking the question, the fire was poured out in the book of Acts. Where's the fire today? Where's the fire in you when the Holy Ghost fills us, it gives us an inner witness and an outward physical expression emerging out of that inner experience as the initial sign of the Holy Ghost filling us as a spiritual, as a spiritual indwelling, as the power and the gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking with tongues as the Spirit gives utterance, Scripture says. So we still preach that ye shall receive the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. And when they did that in the book of Acts, there was something that lit upon each one of them. And the Bible says, I don't know what it was. It was a spiritual manifestation. But the scripture writer says, all I can tell you, it looks like there's fire on top of their heads. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and it sat upon each of them. And the scripture says, it was like fire that sat upon each of them. And so the scriptures tells us that we are not only filled with the Holy Ghost, but we should have a passion and a fire and something driving us and something pushing us. And if we ever get dry and cold and lifeless, then we need to go back to the place where we received the first gift and say, God, fill me again, renew in me again a fire, renew in me a joy, renew in me a hope, set a flame in me again. Because I can tell you this, having done it for so long, it's easy to become duty-driven. Check boxes. I've done it. I know what I'm talking about. Maybe I'm too transparent as a pastor. I, talk, I, I look out and I see your faces every week. And I tell you sometimes things that maybe pastors shouldn't be transparent about. But sometimes it's, it's easy to become distant in our duties and just check boxes and say, hey, that's done this week. This is done that week. I've got my prayer time in. I've done this. I've done that. And sometimes we end up living in the smoke and not in the fire. And it can strangle you. Did you know there's more deaths in the United States from smoke inhalation than there is from dying in fires? 
And the church is being strangled by so much smoke and we need more fire. I'm grateful that where there's smoke, there's fire, but I want more fire in my life. And I'm trying to communicate to this church by putting out little examples that we've been praying since Friday. We've been asking God for fresh fire. I've been asking God to let me communicate it in a way that's stronger and with more passion and with more zeal. Let me be like Jesus where he said I was burned up I was burned up with the zeal of my father's house and God said if you're going to put a name on any house it better be the name of Jesus and if you're going to put the name of Jesus on any house it better be a house of prayer he said my prerequisite for my name being attached and for me taking ownership is that it would be a house of prayer can you tell me something that scares the devil any more than a saint that knows how to pray? Because a saint that doesn't know how to pray, someone who's not praying, someone just checking boxes and going through the motion as a Christian is a place where fire cannot live. And so I brought a candle today. I don't have a fancy candle stand. You'll have to imagine with me, with your great imaginations and your very creative minds that... There's this candle stand here and the scripture talks about fire and we are the candle stand. We are the place where the fire lives. I can tell you this, the devil doesn't mind us celebrating our heritage. The devil doesn't mind us building a church in this city. The devil doesn't even mind us coming here today on a Sunday. As long as when we get here, nothing changes. And as long as while we sit here, we have no expectation I'm not just looking over here at Rob all the time because I'm preaching to Rob. He just smiles a lot, so I have an instant amen corner over there. I got some support, amen. Thank you, brother. But as long as we have no expectation, the enemy doesn't mind us getting together. But if we come and we have been in the presence of God and we ask God, Lord, light me a flame. Make me a person who not only is lit because I have expectations in you, but make me someone who is on fire for God. It's not a, a Bible-thumping thing to say that you can be on fire for God. It's not just church terminology. It's actually an understanding of the power of prayer, that prayer makes a connection with God, that prayer goes where God can go, and prayer does what God can do. I'll keep saying it till it's received, but God wants his church to be on fire with a passion for prayer. Hallelujah. And I'm thankful for the success of Friday. I'm thankful that we could go 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. and cover every shift, every hour in prayer. We spent an entire day praying in this place so that this place would be a place where the fire can set down. In the Old Testament, Hophni and Phinehas took the tabernacle by storm and grabbed the Holy of Holies because it became nothing. It grabbed out of the Holy of Holies the holy place where God's presence sat. And they took it into battle against the Philistines. And you know the story, and I know the story, and maybe you don't, so I'll try to rehearse it the best I can. But I want you to know that these two men were formerly priests. 
They knew what God wanted to do when he handled, when the, he wanted his ark handled. They knew how to handle it and they had turned the ark of the covenant of God into nothing more than a glorified rabbit's foot. There was something that got them what they wanted. And don't think that's strange because there's plenty of places in scripture where people came to Jesus because it got them what they wanted, amen? Sometimes our motives are not perfect, but God can give us what we desire from him if we come to him. It's more knowing that it's him than in having perfect motives all the time. And I'm thankful for perfect motives. Don't get me wrong, I'm not preaching against wrong motives. I, I definitely believe that sometimes we come to God the wrong way. Look at blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus sat on the road, and I'll get back to the other story in a minute. Just let me jump ADD real quick. This is ADD spiritual preaching. Blind Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road hears about Jesus because he's blind, but guess what? Blind Bartimaeus wasn't going to Jesus for what, for what Jesus was. He was going to Jesus for what Jesus could do for him. So his motives may have been wrong, but he knew the right person to go to. And that's okay in the church. People can come sometimes for the wrong motives. They can come because they're trying to find a spouse. They can come because they want to see if this church is a, is a spirit-filled church. They can come to see if the pastor knows the Bible, if the music team actually knows a note. <laughs> uh, did I step on anybody's toes yet? I'm an equal opportunity toe step honor. That's a horrible sentence. We'll move on. I, I just want you to know that even if the motives are wrong in coming, sometimes when you come to Jesus, he will take care of the motives because you came to the right person. And so often I and Phineas carry something into battle because God has won battle before by taking the Ark of the Covenant into battle. And they were just like, they, because of God's presence in battle, and um, so they carried the Ark of the Covenant into battle and they lost. And, and there's many things that took place, but the one thing that I want you to know is that I heard preached many years ago, I believe it was by Anthony Ming, and that if you go back and you look back in Scripture that there was a, a candle that was in the, the house of God. There was a candle in the Holy of Holies. There was a light that was serviced by the priests and they were to put oil in those candlesticks every single day. They were to go in and make sure that the light didn't go out at the house of God. God. And so what happened was a few chapters before, you'll read that before Hophni and Phinehas carried the ark of God into battle, that the light had gone out at the house of God. They had neglected their duties, but they had also neglected the, the commandment of the Lord that there was never supposed to be the light going out in the house of God. And so I want you to know that the light of God is often fueled by the prayer of the church. And that's why we must be a praying church. Prayer is is a movement, amen. Prayer is what keeps the fire of God in a church. That's what compels the church to reach the lost. Prayer is what builds the church. Prayer is what gives us the opportunity to have a desire of compassion, to care for the orphans and the widows. The Bible gives us an understanding that we can't do this work on our own. We've got to have the Holy Ghost to do the work of the church, and prayer is what puts us in the presence of of the Holy Spirit, amen, somebody. The devil doesn't care about our programs because without prayer, there is no fire. We are the lampstand, brothers and sisters. The prayer is what trims our wick and makes us suitable as a place for the fire. I wonder who here is still a keeper of the flames.
I wonder who here is still a keeper of the fire at the house of God. Because if we don't keep the flame lit, just like Hophni and Phinehas, we can have our motives changed to where we used to be okay with some things, but now we're still struggling with them. There could be motives that change that we were once trying to do a good thing and now we're just doing it because we have to or it's a job. It becomes a thing where we say, I've got to go to church instead of I get to go to church. And we it becomes a thing where there's a prayer meeting or there's something going on and we say, well, do I have to bring my spouse? Is it necessary for my kids to be there? The fire has gone out in the tabernacle of your heart. If there is something that doesn't compel you to want to be in the presence of God every time it's offered to you, if there's a place where you settle in and you let your motives change. And it's not that I want to just be in God's presence, but it's, it's that, well, the preaching wasn't so good this week. Well, the music wasn't so good this week. Well, it's too far of a drive and I've been too busy this week. I wonder if maybe, just maybe, we have our priorities or our motives off because the fire has gone out in the house of God. He said, I want to live in you. I don't want to live in brick and mortar. Brothers and sisters, the church is not this building, it's you. And you are to carry the flame of God so that you can push back the darkness in this world that's getting increasingly dark, getting increasingly wicked. And I'm grateful for a church that is still positive about what God wants to do in the earth regardless of what the heathen do regardless of what anybody says. I'm thankful that we still are a house of prayer. We put his name on us in baptism. Equally as much, we should have prayer in the house of God. Amen. Second Chronicles 7 and 14, I read it to you. If my people are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Two requirements before God moves. Be called by his name and to humble ourselves, be humble, sit down, <laughs> be humble, said some Christians, uh, some secular song. But the thing is, is they don't understand that humility is a God concept. And sometimes we think we're humble when we're really just only humble in some areas. But we can have pride rise up, and guess what? Pride is what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. I don't want any pride in my life, amen? I'm willing to be humble. I'm willing to tell you that there's times when I preach and I struggle. There's times when I put together sermons and I struggle. But I want you to know that I've been before the Lord. And if all I got is one scripture and a fire in my soul, I have the right to stand here and preach. Amen. Because the, the prerequisite of having God move is not that you have perfection, but that you have participated with the fire. That you have got yourself in a place with God where you have made yourself the lampstand and you said God whatever it takes you can use me God whatever it takes don't remove the light from my life whatever it takes let the fire burn in me let the fire burn in me we talk about the beauty of what God does and I can't preach enough today to get through all the message that I want to but I wonder if we don't realize that bringing God to people that are far from God 
has to come through the blood of Jesus Christ. David got this message, a dispensation before it was ever enacted, before Jesus ever died on the cross to bring God close to us so that he could live in us so we could have a fire burn in us. The power of the Holy Ghost in each of our lives. David understood it. When Hophni and Phinehas lost that ark, it ended up in the hands of the Philistines and they were judged by God they were stricken with hemorrhoids. I can't say it any other way because that's what the Bible says. Sorry. They're like, we got, I got, oh, oh. <laughs> Celebrating having the ark and then suddenly it wasn't such a celebration. Come on, lighten up people. This is a church. You can enjoy church, amen. And they said, send it back, please. Send it back. So they put it on a cart. And they said, you don't send something back to a God you violated without giving him an offering. Even the heathen knew that. Oh my goodness, that'll preach. Bob, that'll preach all day. So they put all these things on the cart with it that represent their nations. Because they want to say, all of us are sorry we took it. <laughs> That's some serious judgment from God. They, they wanted that thing out of there. And they took two milking calves, or two, two milking cows, and they put the calves in the stall. Now, how do you know, how much you know about cows and calves doesn't really matter. All you have to know is that a mama will not leave its babies. Amen? And when they put those calves in the stall and they hooked up those, those mama cows to that cart, they sent it out. And any normal milking cow would have turned around and went and found its babies. But they said those calves didn't look to the left or the right. They just headed out and lodged at the stone, what some people believe the stone of Abel, which is where Abel offered his sacrifice, which took his life because his brother was jealous. God honored the altar of Abel when he brought his ark out, he said, you're not going to have my ark any place other than if you have an altar in your life. And so we have to have a place for the fire. And so then they break down the cart and they build a fire and they offer sacrifice to God. And then David says, you know what? God has heard it and some things happen in between there. The ark ends up at Obed-Edom's house and David goes to get it and they make a mistake because they try to put it on a new cart. How many know you can't just handle God any way you want to handle him? You don't need a new cart. The old ways still work, amen? If God says, I want it done this way, he wants it done this way. If God said, this is how you're gonna get saved, this is how you need to get saved, amen? It's not our opinion. It's his word that matters. I can speak till I'm blue in the face and it doesn't matter as long as you go to the word of God and find out what thus saith the Lord, you need to do that. It might be an old book, but it's still a good message, amen? somebody. We don't need a new cart. So they went and they did that and they get to the threshing floor and the ark shifts and you know the story. I'll jump ahead for time's sake. And so then David is perplexed and he has 30,000 men there. Talk about embarrassment. 30,000 people are all on a parade to bring the ark back and they mess it up because they didn't go back and search the way that God wanted it.
We can do some things and think that God's pleased with it, but if we don't ask God first, how do you want us to do today? How do you want us? And if you are a list person, God bless you. Make all the lists you want to, but you better start your day by asking God, how do you want me to do this day? What would you like me to do? What would you like to accomplish? And if you get five things accomplished on the list that God tells you, God bless you. He'll help you with it. He'll help you get it accomplished. But the next day, don't roll over the other five things that you didn't get done. The next day, take those five things you didn't finish and ask God again, what would you like for me to do with this day? And then move them because we have to have a day that's led by God. And so then David comes back and he has everything in place. He carries the ark to Zion. Everyone say Zion. It's a hill where he built his tabernacle. It was eventually going to be called the city of David. It's one of the preeminent places in Israel. And they had made a home for God. And so he begins to carry the ark. And I don't know if you know the story, but David takes off his priestly garments and he gets down to an ephod. Do you know why he did that? Because whenever you're moving and whenever you're guiding the king of kings and the Lord of lords, there needs to be no other authority. He was all authority. And David said, I'll divest, divest myself of my earthly kingly robes to bring in the eternal king to his home. Amen? So he takes off everything that would be earthly pride, everything that would say, this is who I am. And he brings the Ark of the Covenant back. But the interesting thing I want to get to today is that what brought God who was far from them back to a place where he lived with them, and even now we can celebrate that he lives in us, is the blood of bulls and goats. Because every six steps, he offered a sacrifice. And one of the reasons David could have been, maybe conjecture, maybe not, but scholars say that one of the reasons why David took off the expensive kingly garments is because he would be saturated in blood from his knees down because they painted a red road in the desert to bring God home to the place where he was going to dwell. And so it is us, it's the church that preaches that you need to repent of your sins, to align yourself with the death of Jesus Christ because he is the perfect lamb sacrificing his his blood for us that brought God who is far away close to us and we go down in baptism in the name of Jesus to apply that blood to our lives so that when we lift our hands in worship we worship through our baptism and we worship through the blood and we worship through the sacrifice and that's what David found out a dispensation before he should have they were like David what is going on he's like we're going to take six steps and we're going to offer a sacrifice because God came to us through the blood. Amen, somebody. Because the road, the way that we travel, the place where God settles is all because of an understanding of what God loves. And then in Revelations 2 and 5, I end with this. That they brought him back and they set him up and they put a candlestick back in its place and and Revelations tells us a very crippling piece of scripture that I, I want to remind us of today. It says, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and I will remove thy what? 
thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. So today I want to tell you that repentance is a powerful thing, that the Holy Ghost is in our lives, and thank God for it. But until we have a place for the fire to dwell, and until we repent and do the first works and return back to our first love, you will feel cold, you will feel dark, you will feel distant. But when you break your own pride and you kneel before God, the Bible says that someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why don't we go ahead and bow before him now by breaking our own pride down and say, Jesus, if every knee someday will not be able to deny the splendor and audaciousness of our almighty God, then why don't I do it by will, by choice now? Would you stand with me and let's ask God to somewhere in our hearts teach us to be keepers of the flame. I think that there's something powerful in a church apparently I need some help when one person will be the candlestick you've been in a church before where the service is dry nothing seems to be moving there's been two, three songs, and she hasn't smoked yet. <laughs> it just doesn't feel like there's any fire in the house yet. And there's that one little old lady over in the corner that has a powerful prayer life. And she just starts making her way past a few pews with her Holy Ghost dance. Have you ever seen this before? And she, she might have a cane, she might not. She might be using the pews, but she don't care. She don't care who's here, who's watching. She gets her dance going. It's not a big dance. It's a small dance, but it's a dance unto the Lord. Just because the house is caving in doesn't mean the fire's not still there. And she just works her way to the front. I've seen it happen. And the whole service lights up. Because Grandma Betty... Sorry, Betty. <laughs> I always try to find a name of someone who's not in the congregation. But we've used it. So because Grandma Betty decided, I don't need anybody else to light my fire. I don't need the preacher to get me lit. I don't need a song to light me up. I don't need anybody to, to dust me off and trim my wick. I have a worship in me from my prayer life. I have a breakthrough in me from my prayer life. I have a hope in me and a joy in me that comes from my time with God. I am the candlestick. He is the fire. It'll burn pride out of you when you become the candlestick. It'll burn jealousy out of you. It'll burn anything out of you that you need gone. But I want to ask you today, has it been a while since you felt the fire? Has it been a while since you've been in the presence of God so strong? that you just said it doesn't matter who else sees me. If every knee is going to bow someday, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to trim the wick on my candle and I'm going to make myself an available vessel. If I'm the only one, 
God can change a world with one. Amen. I want to open this altar. Would you bring the lights down and let's make this whole place a prayer room. I don't know if you're used to coming to an altar, but if you want to take it literal today and come and kneel before the Lord, because every knee will bow someday, you can do that. If you want to sit where you are and say, Lord, I have some things that have been raining on my parade. I have some situations and some circumstances that have been making me feel like you're not even hearing my prayers. They hit, they hit the ceiling and they seem to bounce back. Maybe you need a rekindling of the flame today. Maybe you need to tell the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry I let the light go out in my home. I haven't been teaching my kids the word of God like I should be. I haven't been being an example like I should be. I haven't shown them more emphasis in the word of God and in prayer than I have an emphasis on other things in life. Maybe you are the one that could be this lampstand, the candle in your home that starts everything moving toward change. Maybe you could be the movement today. Lord, make me the movement. Make me a fire. Make me a flame of hope and joy as there's people kneeling in this place and sitting and praying and praying standing. Let there be a move of your spirit in this house. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.